But I think that for me, it's ultimately, I don't want to judge people ever or tell people what they should be doing. I want people to feel good with no matter what they want to do, whether that's do absolutely nothing and wear no makeup, that's totally fine. But if you want to glam up, like I am not going to tell somebody to do that. And I think that also it's like when you're looking at say somebody who is trans and who identifies with something and they want to try makeup, like are you going to truly tell them that they are giving into the patriarchy? Like I think there has to be nuance with these conversations. I'm Kirby. And I'm Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. Cute. That's cute. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Okay, we have a fan favorite today and I'm excited. The knowledge that was dropped during this episode is epic on so many levels. And while we did have a thousand technical difficulties, it still manages to be one of the best episodes. And if you're listening to this, you know it's Charlotte Palermino, who has been called the Skin Whisperer. And she is the CEO and co-founder of Do Skin. But really, you know her from Instagram and TikTok she just educates everybody and everyone on everything. She keeps it real. She's educational. She's entertaining. Our glam was asked that she be on. Yeah, this was like TRL. It was Total Request Live, and she is the number one spot. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, like, if you are a skincare and beauty enthusiast, which you are because you're listening, like, this is the episode for you because she's it. She's it. If you somehow have not been following Charlotte, I just want to give you a little breakdown of her background. So she actually started focused on like branded content, editorial marketing, like very similar to Sarah and I. She worked at Cosmo for a while and she used to write for them. She got into partnerships and branded marketing within Hearst. And then she became the editorial director of Cosmopolitan's Snapchat. I mean, this was all her. She made Cosmo the number one channel on Snap's Discovery. Which, like, at the time, like, remember, guys, remember getting your news from the Discover page on Snapchat? And, like, the real estate for being, like, at the top spot was very hard, and she did it almost single-handedly. Exactly. They were getting 3 million readers a day on Snapchat Discover. I think it's important to note this because it's really helped her in content creation. She knows what people gravitate towards, what they want to watch. From there, Snap was like, hey, you know what the hell you're doing? So they scooped her up and she worked for Snapchat, Snap Inc. rather, for two years. She co-founded a newsletter called Nice Paper with her friend and now co-founder of Do Skin, Marta, and would talk about, you know, cannabis and CBD and kind of help debunk so many misconceptions, so many marketing falsehoods that are a result of cannabis and CBD in general. And from there, 
They found a third co-founder for Dooskin, Joyce, who Charlotte sings the praises of on a regular basis. We're going to learn more about Joyce in this podcast as well. And they created Dew. And it's a product, if you haven't tried it, that does have CBD in it. It is probably one of the only CBD products that I truly have seen legit results from when it comes to inflammation and acne. And yeah, now she's just literally like gallivanting across the internet, dropping knowledge bombs about how to slug properly. And, you know, also sunscreen education, like head to her Instagram if you are still confused. Yeah. And like historical patterns that have been repressive that like we need to get out of in terms of beauty, but also like that feminism isn't just one thing. So Mm -hmm. it's not anti-feminist to wear skincare or makeup. It's so much goodness wrapped into one account. Obviously, we are linking her in our show notes, but I guarantee you, you are already following her if you're listening to this. So without further ado, uh, do, here's Charlotte. We could literally just put a photo of her on our feed with no caption, no tag, and people would lose their goddamn minds. Yes, of course. It's Charlotte Palermino. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I am so excited. I love this pod and the community. Everybody just seems so informed and lovely. Thank you. We agree. We totally agree. They are extremely informed, and that's why we love them. And They're informed a lot because of you. So during the Los Angeles Awards, when we were like, who do you guys want to have nominated? Who should win? And we had people write in their answers. So many of the responses were like, Charlotte has taught me so much about not just like how my skin works or like products that I should try and like the science behind them, but also like the history of like Vaseline and different types of products that I maybe wasn't familiar with before. So um, needless to say, I feel like your calling is to teach and educate in some way. And help unlearn. I think that helping unlearn, because ultimately a lot of these things are beliefs. Like I realized that a lot of what I thought wasn't rooted in reality. It was how I felt, which can be helpful for certain things. I want to feel good when I use products. I don't want to feel bad, but it's not really helpful when you're talking about regulatory guidelines. Totally. Absolutely. And you have nuance. That's one thing I love about you. You have nuance. You're like, hey, listen, like, have these been like deeply ingrained things that we've been dealing with forever and like F the patriarchy, of course. But at the same time, like, you know, I want my skin not to be cracked and I want to wear sunscreen. I like this drag. I read a New Yorker article. It was a cartoon, I think. I love how it was like it was an article. I didn't make it through the article. I read the cartoon. It's like everyone picks their drag. And I'm like, precisely. Don't judge people. That's the reality. It's like, just let people choose their drag and don't judge people and shame people for what they're choosing. Amen. Amen. So we have so much to talk about, but we want to start with a question that we ask every one of our guests. Charlotte, please tell us what is on your face. I mean, other than a lot of our soon to be launched moisturizer, which is coming out for due, I'm really obsessed with About Face Beauty. It's one of those celebrity brands because like, obviously I love Fenty, but I feel like About Face makes like really good quality products. Like all my makeup is, is About Face. And I just find their formulations are solid. They stick. They're really blendable. I've been very impressed with the formulations and their highlighter is probably one of the better highlighters for me because I like looking shiny. 
which is what a highlighter does. So yes, exactly. I would say highlighters, both powder and cream top tier and their lip products. We've discussed about face at length on this podcast. Seriously, I think completely underrated celebrity beauty brand. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Do you know like the shade of the highlighter that you're using? It's the gold one. They have like three colors. So I can't, I don't remember the exact one. And then my lip shade is obscure desire. That's really small font. I need reading glasses. Woo. Okay. Perfect. When we were thinking about you coming on the podcast, there's like so many different facets to you. And I think that's one reason why I personally just admire you and your career and like everything that you're doing. So I want to start way back at the beginning when you were just a little girl with your grandmother. So your grand, you were raised primarily by your grandmother, right? Who's French? Ish. So my parents worked a lot. They both worked. And when I was very little, I lived with my grandmother. And then I moved back to the United States and um, lived with my parents. But my grandmother would come every summer. I would go there every summer. And so, like, the person that I have a lot of memories with, with my childhood, like, playing with me, taking care of me, things like that, is because she was there all the time. And, like, my mom and dad were like, I have to put food on the table, so bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Go go to your room. And so my grandmother and my marraine, they were a duo. They were a dynamic duo. They just really spent a lot of time with my sister and I. I'm curious, how did being raised with like such a strong French influence kind of shape your idea of what beauty is? I would say that she shaped how I perceive marketing and information pretty strongly because to be honest, my grandmother was very simple. Like she did not ever, I don't think I've ever seen her wear makeup ever, but she always took care of her skin. She always stayed out of the sun. And I think it's also because like, you know, people always talk about like how skin cancer is like, oh, people didn't used to get skin cancer. And I'm like, like in my family, they did. Their noses were sometimes missing. So I don't know about all y'all, but I've absolutely been exposed to that. So my grandmother was always careful about that. And then my godmother, she wore what you call marraine. Yes. She would always wear like a bright pink lip, you know, just always like wearing her skincare. She was like maybe a little bit more with that, but they always dressed really well. Like, they were always put together. And so that I think influenced me a lot. But with my grandmother, she is sassy as hell. She would hate that I said that as the word, but I mean, that woman swears like a sailor, takes absolutely no prisoners, no bullshit. Oh, you try to bullshit her, she will dress you down. And so I think that what was really interesting is that she would have me like read things to her in English because she didn't speak any, she doesn't speak English. And she'd be like, well, that's a weird way to put it. Like, you know, whatever it was. And it's something that my grandfather did a lot too. And it's like this idea of like fresh vegetables in grocery stores. They both were like, well, what are you going to do? Sell rotten ones? What a weird way... That's the bare minimum is that they're fresh. That's the bare minimum. And it's just like the way, there were so many instances of that where she would see something and she's like, oh, they're trying to sell you something. And that's actually really informed kind of how I walk through life quite a bit. I'm like, what's the angle? You grew up spending some time in France, here in the United States. I'm like assuming you're like our age. I'm 34. Okay, yeah, so... Kirby and I just turned 35. So what you were in our era of, you know, the Y2K beauty and and all that, but what were you obsessed with? Can you remember like specific beauty products that you loved, whether it was like things that you discovered abroad or here in the United States? So I'll give you the good and the bad. So the good was I was using cold cream from a very young age on my face. I've always had extremely dry skin, like to the point where if I smiled, it would crack sometimes and it was painful. 
And so that's been since I was a child, but that's just genetics, right? Like genetics was the sebaceous glands have ghosted. So the Nivea was good, right? Like that's a good thing to have. The, the bad was Noxzema because I was drying out my skin and then putting on cold cream. Like I could have just skipped a step there. The chokehold that Noxzema had on us, like what in the world? I got sent a mailer <laughs> with Noxzema in it recently and I had like PTSD. I was like, what is this doing here? Like, get this out. Like the menthol feeling and the smell and... Yeah, and you thought it was doing something because it was tingling and cooling. And Cher from Clueless mentions it in the first line of, of her movie. So you're like, oh my God, like a Noxzema commercial. I need this for my acne. And then the whole perpetuation of, yeah, if you don't want acne, you have to dry out your skin. And then that whole mess. But even people with dry skin like me, I got scared to get acne. And so I would dry it out anyways. And so thank goodness I had cold cream. But what made me stop using cold cream was when I was in university, I was going to school in Montreal, which is like cold. And I had a friend tell me that it was going to clog my pores and it was carcinogenic. So I stopped using it because of that. No way. Now you understand why I have a chip on my shoulder about petrolatum. <laughs> <laughs> the origin story. <laughs> You're like out there fighting the good fight now. Oh my God. And then I told other poor people to stop using Vaseline and cold creams. I was like spreading the bad gospel. So now I have to like, I'm repenting. That's what I'm doing now. You're fully reformed. This is wild. I freaking love it. Was there a certain point in your life where you realized that beauty was a form of currency? Oh, 100%. I was overweight as a child. I went to fat camps. Well, no, it wasn't. To be to correction, it was a camp where my parents asked that they could feed me less. And that storyline isn't totally clear, but I was definitely calorie restricted and made to work out a lot more. So I don't know who my family called that camp, but it was definitely a camp where when I came back, somebody told me, somebody in my family was like, oh, it worked. And I'm like, what worked? How old were you? 10 or 11. Okay. Yeah. And then I just grew, right? Like the thing is, is I was always short and then I, I'm now in 5'9". And so I just stretched out. Like I've been the same weight for a, a very long time, but I became anorexic and that's when I got scouted for modeling. And it, looking back, I'm like, how atrocious. I was unwell and emaciated, but people were telling me, oh, you're beautiful. You would look good to sell products as a sick person. And so I knew from a very young age that you get approval for aesthetics and it's really messed up because I'm the same person and people are the same people and it literally was genetics. It wasn't because I did anything, it's because I stretched out. But if I had never had that growth spurt, I would have been the same. Like I've literally been the same for so long other than that moment with anorexia. And thank goodness I haven't had any complications from it because it was for like five years. But yeah, so I absolutely understand that there's currency attached to it. And I think that ultimately, from my perspective, it's something that really makes me uncomfortable because I know how much it's just like whatever the genetic lottery is. Totally. I think it's interesting, though, because I ask because you're so vocal against these specific types of beauty standards that are, you know, put upon women, especially, right? Do you ever, when you're talking about skincare and, and beauty and things of that nature, like in the back of your head, are you like, am I contributing to the overall problem? Like, do you have that thought? Because I personally feel that way a lot. Well, because I also conform to a very specific kind of beauty standard, right? So I think about that a lot. And so from my perspective, it's where I'm like, how do I never judge someone? How do I never tell somebody, oh, you should put on some lipstick? And it's like, the reality is, is that a lot of people like skincare. 
using a moisturizer and that moment where your skin doesn't feel tight, especially when you have dry skin or even when you have more acne prone skin, you've been drying it out this whole time. Your skin is dehydrated. Then just using something as simple as an essence and then just getting that hydration back in the skin, a simple glycerin based moisturizer and then being like, oh my God, this feels good. Because ultimately I used to get a lot of rashes and like you go out and it hurts to smile. You can feel mm. it when you smile and then you wonder if everybody else can see you. That is absolutely something regardless of what I'm presenting as. Like I don't want people to feel uncomfortable. So from my perspective, it's, I present this way. It is what I would say, like very like traditional. I wear like suits and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, I'm not running around in a princess dress all the time, but I do like, I do like a, a was it a tool? Yeah. Tool. You, you like some tool dresses from time to time. I'll wear anything. Like I like drag. I'm like, sometimes I like dressing up like I'm in a Victorian era. I love a time period drama. So basically my perspective on it is I don't want to judge people, but also I want to be able to make the decisions that I want to be able to make. I was raised in a household where nobody wore makeup. My mother never wore makeup. My grandmother never wore makeup. My godmother never wore makeup. My aunt never wore makeup. Most of them loved clothing, but I think that for me, it's ultimately... I don't want to judge people ever or tell people what they should be doing. I want people to feel good with no matter what they want to do, whether that's do absolutely nothing and wear no makeup, that's totally fine. But if you want to glam up, like I am not going to tell somebody to do that. And I think that also it's like when you're looking at say somebody who is trans and who identifies with something and they want to try makeup, like, are you going to truly tell them that they are giving into the patriarchy? Like, I think there has to be nuance with these conversations. And I love seeing everybody play with makeup and I love having fun like I love costuming and I've always been like that even from when I was a kid I was putting like paint on my face because I love playing with looks and being able to shape shift and so from my perspective I absolutely understand that when I present like this it gives me currency my goal is that one day that everybody is just accepted and for what they are presenting as that's kind of like where we should be moving versus saying, oh, well, stop wearing makeup because you can't be a feminist if you wear mascara. I find that exhausting. And also there's tons of problems with feminism because, I mean, it hasn't in historically included black women oh or my God. people of color or people that are trans or, you know, LGBTQIA community like. On a very base level, Charlotte, do you watch Euphoria? Yeah. Did you watch the most recent episode? Yes. With Kat? chills. So there's a whole scene in this second episode of season two of Euphoria where Kat is like definitely not feeling great about herself. And the scene is all these influencers keep popping up. Like there's a weightlifting influencer. There's a fashion influencer, a beauty influencer, like a curve influencer. Like all these influencers keep popping up and telling her like, girl, you got to smash the patriarchy. You're one of the bravest, most beautiful human beings I have ever seen. And she's like, no, I don't think you understand. Like, I hate myself. And I am depressed. And I am, like, actually mentally not well. And they're like, no, you're fine. You're fine. It's not you. It's the patriarchy. She's like, no, I'm fucking mentally ill. But that's what I'm trying to tell you. I fucking hate myself. Every day you get out of bed, it's an act of courage. That's easy for you to say. You don't have, like, fucking mental problems. You are not listening. No, society puts things into your mind. I don't care about society. I feel like shit. Cat, you need to smash all beauty standards. But I can't even get out of bed. You have to love yourself. I found it inspiring. Shut the fuck up! Love yourself! You love yourself! Love yourself! Love yourself! Link in bio. Yeah, no, truly. <laughs> it was a really interesting and funny commentary on what 
is expected of us in terms of like having to deal with this like toxic positivity and like telling people what they can or can't do anyways. Toxic positivity, like I remember this quote that was shared everywhere and it was like when like Black Lives Matter was starting to happen and it was like, maybe this all happened for a reason. I'm like, what? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And everybody shared it. Well, a lot of white women shared it, but I was like, this is so fucking, no, not everything happens for a reason. Be angry. This is fucked up. It made me so angry. So yeah, I loved that scene from Euphoria because it just kind of made me realize like how we say things really matters. But like, just generally speaking, if somebody doesn't feel good, that's also okay. This need to be perpetually happy and positive is ridiculous. And for me, I have a tone when I talk, like I talk the way that I think. And I'm like, a lot of women think like me, but I also have my customer service voice. And so if I (laughs) need to deliver things this way, and if you wanted me to deliver every video this way, that's totally fine. But it's like, People are like, oh, she's condescending. Oh, she's pretentious. And I'm like, no, I have an opinion. I'm not degrading people. I'm not calling you any names. I am angry and I have an opinion and I have every right to be. Another reason why we love you so much is because you have this very strong marketing background. You clearly know how brands are trying to sell products to people. You see right through it. You're very vocal against specific terms that are used a lot in beauty, like clean and non-toxic. What specific things really, really grind your gears when you see a brand doing them? There's a couple of things. (laughs) A couple. I'm like, is this pod 12 years long? (laughs) How long have I been alive? So I think for me, there's two things. It's around fear and shame. Shaming people is really not, not the vibe. And then the other thing is scaring people. So scaring people about safety without really good data. And here's the thing, like if ICL saw some good reports, I would change my opinion. But the reality is that a lot of this fear-based stuff isn't based on good reports. It's based on studies with rats where you're doing oral gavage, which is basically foie grasing a rat with an ingredient that's concentrated. Don't foie gras yourself with your moisturizer. Okay. Like, it's just not comparable. And also when you're talking about carcinogens, okay, well, are you getting rid of your car? Because that is something that you have daily exposure to that is far more likely to kill you. And you're fucking inhaling it. Can we put these things into context? And also, are you really talking about the safety because you care about safety or because you're trying to show a differentiation point with another brand? Your formula is not better. You don't have any innovation. Oh, but you're safe. You're more safe, are you? And that's kind of where I get really frustrated. And then the other piece is around shame. And I think that this is you're not beautiful enough. You're not young enough. You're not pretty enough. And again, like as we were talking earlier, it's something that I think about a lot because I'm like, okay, well, am I perpetuating an unrealistic standard? A lot of my face is genetics, right? So it's like really making sure that you're taking care with those kinds of claims as well. But it's why medical grade skincare really bothers me as well because you're not medicine. Stop trying to align yourself with that. Why can't cosmetics just be fun and tested? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, why do we have to make these like paradigms to sell products where it's actually misinformation and you are misleading people to sell what? Usually a more expensive product. And so that to me is where I get really frustrated with different things. But I mean, I can go on forever. Like I saw like with, what is it? Sunscreen and Reef Safe and their zinc oxide, right? So they're like, oh, zinc, it's great for the reefs. 
it's only great for the reefs if it's coated. And I actually have emails from a brand where they really put their foot in their mouth. And this is where it's like, people don't realize I have like receipts that I'd refuse to share because I'm not here to take down brands like that. But they stated that their zinc was coated on their website. So I asked them, what is it coated with? Because it's normally silicones. And they had this whole blog post demonizing silicones. They get back to me, actually our product team says it's uncoated. And I'm like, okay, well if it's uncoated, it's actually really bad for the environment. And it's actually pro-oxidative on your skin. You want your zinc to be coated. And then they were like, then they never responded to that last, that last thread. And I was like, and this is one of those hyper clean, we are transparent and inclusive and the whole thing. And like basically putting themselves on a pedestal. And the thing is for us with like, do, I'm so careful. Cause like, we are not perfect. And like, we're trying to like share all these pain points as part of our story, because we want to take people on the journey and set the expectations. But for me, when you set the expectations that you are unassailable and that you are perfect and that what you're doing is the best without showing the nuance, I like zinc oxide, but you shouldn't say it's coral reef safe. Totally. Like I keep on wanting to say mic drop after (laughs) (laughs) after every response. But I love that you actually are able to like take these brands to task because they really do think, especially if you are a creator, you get to ask a brand questions. You get to say, I don't understand this. Can you explain it to me? Why are you saying this when then this happens? An editor would. 100%. And honestly, Charlotte, I'll be 100%. Not a lot anymore. I think that the editors, like they're a dying breed, sadly. Mm -hmm. I think people like Sarah and I and Sarah's team And there's plenty of amazing editors at Allure that I work with are great. But there are so many people that I feel like just get into it for the product or the travel or whatever. They're not asking questions. They don't care. They just want the currency that comes with it. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. on that note, I want to kind of dive into your career path real quick. So you've worked in branded content at Cosmo. You launched their Snap Discover page. And I was the editor there because they didn't understand the platform. And so for a year, I was in charge of all the video editing. I chose all the stories. I wrote the stories. I I was at that office at Hearst until 3 a.m. every single day because I was the only person working on it with a team of two. And we had daily content. But it was a crash course in creating what? Portrait video. Totally. 100%. And then from there, Snap brought you on because they were like, okay, you underst- clearly you understand this. Well, I built Cosmo into the number one platform, and then they wanted me to show other publishers how to do that. And then I also took care of international launches as well. Was there ever a time where a brand like pulled out of a conversation with you? Oh, no, I've tried to pull out of conversations. Okay, okay. I'm asking because I feel like this is like really relevant to a lot of people, especially people that follow you and maybe want to follow in your career path. But I think the first question is, you didn't initially set out to be in the beauty industry, Yeah, I've always loved the beauty industry, though. It's like it kept finding me like I never accepted the job. But my first job offer was actually an internship at L'Oreal in Montreal. Wow. Yeah. Okay. As like a sales rep, like where you go to like the different pharmacies and like try to negotiate better like shelf space. I would have been so good at that job. By like a stroke (laughs) of fate, I actually never got the email. It went to junk like the like email offer letter. So I ended up taking a job at an ad agency and I didn't know that you could like switch jobs. So I was like, I was like, oh, no, I already accepted a job. Like, I thought legally I had to work there. Like, (laughs) but you know what? It was all fortuitous because I worked in publishing for so long and I didn't like it. And because I didn't like it, I kept searching. And then I ended up finding myself right back at beauty. Yeah, because you are now a licensed esthetician. 
you have do your skincare brand. What advice do you have for people who are like, I'm in a career that I'm not happy with, and I want to get into beauty? Like, is there anything that you can offer them that would be helpful? Okay, so there's a couple of things here. I first want to recognize that I like while I don't have that situation where it's like my parents paid for everything, I was able to put myself through school and not have debt, which is, you know, why I went to Canada. I have like a lot of different privileges. So I don't want to be like, take on a side hustle and like, you know, like girl boss your way to the top because I just feel like even living in New York and having the connections and presenting the way that I present, it's like people already thought that I was authoritative, even though I probably didn't know what I was talking about. So I want to recognize that piece first. But what I will say is that for me, I started making videos because it's something that I really liked. And I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. You know, it's like, ultimately, I was working on do by the time that I was making all these videos. But like, ultimately, it was because it was the stuff that I was frustrated with. And it's what I wanted to see kind of out in the world, and just ask more questions. And I used to write at Cosmo, my first article ever was a pizza cleanse, where I only ate pizza for a week. And it's because I saw a post about how great juice cleanses are. And as somebody who had anorexia, I was like, that is an eating disorder that's expensive. I am offended because like, why are you paying to eat less? That is that is peak America. And so with juice cleanses, yeah, I just knew that it wasn't based in reality. I just knew there was no way or I had a feeling. So I talked to a nutritionist and the nutritionist was like, any restrictive diet will help you lose weight. And so then I asked her, can I eat pizza for a week and lose weight? And she's like, probably. And so I did. And I lost five pounds. I pulled up the article and I like that you also had like rules. You're like, if I, if I start to develop scurvy, I'm allowed to sprinkle kale or whatever on it. I did. I'm really afraid I'm nutritionally deficient because I eat so much pasta and there's so much, you know, dialogue in the world about how gluten is slowly murdering us all. And so I actually get really nervous that I'm nutritionally deficient. So like I eat like pasta and then I'll just like throw it like 12 vegetables on it. And I'm like, it's a salad. Let's talk about do. We've been mentioning it. We talk about do all the time on the pod, but we want to hear from you. You know, we love do because you guys debunk CBD myths. You make products that actually work are also, you know, like the price point isn't super high, so it's really approachable. Is this why you went to esthetician school to launch do or did do come first? I mean, to sound smart in a room with Joyce, my co-founder. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of Do. Joyce is our head of product and co-founder. And then Marta is also our co-founder and our creative director. But when I say Joyce is like the smartest person I've ever met, and in terms of skincare, her knowledge is just incredible because she also used to do drug development. And then she went into skincare and she did patents for SkinCeuticals. She worked for La Roche-Posay. She worked for Kiehl's. Like she really understands the industry. And I realized that as a leader of an organization, how can I actually understand what people need in terms of skincare and how we can actually create trends in skincare and create new categories if I don't even understand skin histology. I can't actually be strategic. And I think that a lot of people get into skincare because they see a marketing gap, but they don't understand that it's an organ. And so cosmetics is one thing. And like, I know that a lot of founders pair with really great chemists and scientists and things like that. But for me, it's like having Joyce, like we're all equal partners you know, having a scientist in a position of power and not just a formulator where you're dictating to, it's so important because we fact check each other. 
And so that's actually why I got my esthetician's license, really. And also because one day we'd probably want to open up something with do. Like, I would love to get my hands on people's faces. Ooh. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Yeah. I freaking, I'm obsessed. I love talking to people. So I'm like, oh, this probably would be a good career. Yeah, exactly. Are you able to talk a little bit more about the moisturizer that's coming out? Yeah, so we're launching a moisturizer hopefully next month, so February. And what it is, it's like basically, so Joyce, like I can say this, like she's very like tight-lipped about it, but she did the patent for triple lipid. And so she actually developed that. And so, you know, we love ceramides. We have some ceramide, one ceramide in it. But when you have a very heavy ceramide formula, you actually have to heat it to a very high temperature. So it's incredibly energy intensive. And that's partly why it's expensive, usually when you have tons of ceramides in a product. And so for us, we also want something that was a little bit more hydrating because a lot of these like rich moisturizers, they aren't hydrating. So for us, it's like a rich moisturizer, but it's also super hydrating. It's almost like a better texture of like embryo lease. And so it goes on, it melts into the skin. It's beautiful under makeup. It's going to hold up as like a night cream. I sometimes put a tiny bit of like an occlusive over it to really help trap it in. But I just, it's my favorite moisturizer and it's something that actually can transition for me to the summer. But if you have oilier skin, you're probably going to want to use our next moisturizer, which is coming out, which is going to be a gel moisturizer. Ooh. Yeah. But there's tons of humectants. We're using metostolide, which is a ceramide equivalent. Like there's a lot of really exciting ingredients in there. We're using more plant sterols because they're, you know, just like from a carbon footprint perspective, they're a little bit, a little bit better. But again, it's like all these things are so difficult, right? Like, you know, I, I hate even saying it's like, we made a sustainable formula. It's like, we're working with something called Bluebird and they're actually measuring our footprint of not only our packaging, but our next one is going to be ingredients and if we can do better. And so that's yeah. why it's like, I get so when people ask me about sustainability and it's like do is so sustainable and I'm like we're just trying to make less trash like that's like our first thing and so also I'm comfortable saying this but the product is going to actually come in an aluminum tube and our next iteration will be PCR aluminum and that's because we actually evaluated it and if you don't need a pump mechanism it is better to not have it it is I'm on Char's close friends list, and I'm sure Sarah is too, but I saw... No, she's not. I'm going to have to add you after this. We've never spoken, Sarah. Yeah, I was like, I was not. No, I know. <laughs> Ew. Wow. Well, I feel honored, but... <laughs> it's spicy on close friends. Literally, close friends is where the tea comes out and also previews of products. There's like 80 people on close friends. It's very small, but Sarah, I, I trust you. <laughs> no, but Charlotte shared what the product looked like. And I was like, Ooh, this is exciting. So I, I can't wait to get it on my face. I just have to shout out the serum though, because I recently tried a beauty product that wreaked havoc on my face. And like, I don't normally break out from foundation anymore, but this product, like I'm actually shook at how much cystic acne it caused on my face. Like, and it's really upsetting. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, Kirby, break your old habits of like wanting to go to the most astringent thing you can find. Like I've been really good about that. And I had to do and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to put it on and just see what happens. And let me just tell you, it took down my redness and the size of these giant cysts on my chin and my nose right here like overnight. It was incredible. I mean, I have before and after pictures. If you do the QR code on the back of the package, it'll bring you to a lot of product information and our certificates of analysis for the cannabinoids. But the moment that I knew that Joyce 
Marta and I were onto something incredible is that I have dermatitis all the time and I haven't had dermatitis ever since I've started using Deliverance. And I had a huge outbreak and I saw Joyce and it happened to be that day that she gave me the cannabinoid complex that we were testing. And I put that on my face and I was about to go see my mother and like French women, they don't mince words. They see your face and there's something on it. What is this? Like, what, what, and she'll literally point at it and then get close and you're like, ma'am. So I put this on, it took down a lot. The reality is though, is that the claims that we can make, I'm not comfortable making them because we need to do like a double blind placebo randomized trial, which is on the docket for us. The problem is, is that it's like, we just didn't have the funding. We did all the basic clinicals, right? Like where we did, okay, clinical grading to make sure that all of our claims that we're making on the packaging makes sense. We did a clinical trial on the cannabinoids to make sure that the dosing was consistent and that it actually did work. And so now it's like the next level because we had a really great year. So we're able to fund a lot of these projects. How are you guys like keeping up with demand? Because no one could get their hands on the serum forever. People were like asking me if they could like get me to call in a sample. I was like, I don't even have it. I have it now. But like you were a team of three trying to like make products during this pandemic where everyone's talking about supply chain issues. Like, how are you guys doing this? I mean, not well, like we need to hire people. Like I'm not going to pretend like I know what I'm not good at. I think that one thing that's been really incredible is how like gracious the audience is because like I get annoyed and like, I'm like, bye, if a brand doesn't have a product for me and people have just been so lovely about waiting and understanding. I think it's also because we explain. I'm like, for me, it's half the time. I'm like, I'm angry, not because this is happening, but because you're withholding information. Yes. Our perspective is we're going to tell you everything. And we've also been able to fundraise some money recently. So that's that's also going to help us with supply chain, but things are going to be dicey for the next three months. And then we're going to put in these really large order sizes. And so I'm really excited about that. And we found a really good partner in our investors. So we're really excited. I'm so happy for y'all, all, all three of you just killing it. Okay, Charlotte, we are going to go into our rapid fire. Sarah, we absolutely need to find a new name for this because it's like, we say it's rapid fire, but we will ask you to explain if we want more information <laughs> so that it defeats the entire purpose. You're like mediocre speed fire. <laughs> no, truly, truly. Slow burn. It's going to be called slow burn. Slow burn. Oh my God. That's what it is. Thank you, Charlotte. I just name products all day long. This is all I do. I throw out names for product ideas. And as a Casey Musgraves fan, I'm totally into it. Okay. What is your favorite over-the-counter retinol product? Over-the-counter retinol, oof, it's going to be between Medicaid, I don't know if Medicaid, their crystal retinol, and SkinCeuticals 1%. Because they're stable. 99% of what you get on the shelf is unstable. Some people are like, this 1% retinol is so gentle. I'm like, yeah, it's because it's just oil now. It's degraded. It's a keratolytic. There's no way that you're not going to experience, if you're using it every day, twice a day, people are like, I use retinol every day, twice a day, and it's so gentle. And I'm like, it's because it's a very low dose. And to be clear, that doesn't mean it's not good. You might see the results over time. But if it's at 0%, God bless, good luck. Gorgeous, gorgeous girls don't wash their face in the mornings. I mean, what gorgeous, gorgeous dry girls, which oh, that sounded a little sexual. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ooh, I'm I'm a husk. I'm a husk, and that's something that actually my grandmother taught me. She she pried the noxema out of my hands as a teenager. But basically, yeah, I just realized that washing my face was drying it out. But if you have oily skin, you probably want to wash your face in the morning. It's probably going to feel more comfortable with makeup application as well. But gorgeous, gorgeous girls don't strip their skin. Nobody should be stripping their skin. I feel like you and I have the same skin type. I'm extremely dry. Sure. Yeah. Me, you and Joyce. I'm just acneic Allison over here. Okay. 
what is what is your favorite serum for pigmentation? Or maybe actually, I'm going to change this. What's your favorite ingredient for pigmentation? Oh, that's such a hard one because it depends on the kind. I know. Right? So, you know, for people who are lower on the Fitzpatrick scale, you might be fine with niacinamide. When you're higher up on the Fitzpatrick scale, then you might want something completely different. Like I know people are very, you know, dicey around hydroquinone, but ultimately, you know, when I talk to dermatologists, they're like on these unstubborn cases. And then also I have like an issue with like pigmentation where I'm like, if you like your pigmentation, keep it because freckles are pigmentation. So I think it really, really, oh my God, I'm like, it depends. But it's like for me, <laughs> Niacinamide is incredibly effective, but also what else is incredibly effective? Making sure I do not create inflammation in my skin. Because if I have inflammation, when I get a cystic zit, then I get a red spot that turns purple that stays there for months. And so how do I actually protect? So I like to say that I like protecting my skin the most and preventing a lot of issues that would bother me because I like my skin to look a certain way. So that's what I would say. And then also sunscreen. Oh, that's the easy one. Oh, that's like the, like the cop out. Sunscreen is the best product for pigmentation. There you go. Speaking of sunscreen, if you had to pick one, one and only one, what are you using? Beauty of Josun. I think I said that right. Somebody corrected me. Josian? Josun. It's J-O-S-E-O-N. It's a beautiful moisturizer or an Isden one that uh, that's from Spain. Um, but there are these newer fill, anything with Juvenal A and Tinosorb S plus, I think those are the filters, but when I say those filters, they blend into your skin. There's no white cast. And so you're actually allowed to have these really wonderful ingredients because when you have a zinc sunscreen, you're just trying to make it not dry out people's skin and like chalk. So you're, you're trying to compensate for the filter. Whereas these other filters, they're beautiful and they don't sting. They don't burn your eyes. They also don't taste terrible. Like, you know, sometimes you get it in your mouth cause you want to get your, and so you're not trying to compensate for old technology. And that's why I would pick anything with those filters, but those two in particular. Obviously, I love Isntree, but I like these other two because they're a little bit richer for winter. Is beauty of Josen, is that Korean? Somebody said Josen is a, is a Korean word, so I'm going to assume yes. I think it is, yeah. How do we get it? Oh, that's a whole other thing because sometimes on Amazon, the retailer, like the reseller is good. Like what I would say is look for your local, like first off, look for your local K-beauty store or your local J-beauty store because it's very unlikely that they're going to be trying to sell you counterfeit. And worst case, you can always ask them for retail certificates. Like Kirby, like as you said, like I get to ask questions. I asked Dialvana for their reseller certificates. So the signed reseller certificates within the date ranges, everything, the batch numbers, all of that. As a consumer, uh, like because I have a customer service team, I probably wouldn't have the bandwidth to answer every single person that asked. I wish that more retailers would publish those. Okay, who's your favorite follow on Instagram and TikTok? Ooh, my favorite follow on TikTok is Becca Murray. I love her. And then my favorite follow on Instagram, I mean, I always have different favorite follows, but you know when you like see an esthetician or like a derm and you're like, I really want to like have you touch my face. I want uh, Tiara Willis, Makeup for Women of Color, to touch my face. Yes. In some way or form. I'm like, can you just put a laser on me? Like, I don't I don't know if I'm supposed to have a laser on my face, <laughs> but I'm but I want you to put a laser on my face. I just think that she just seems really cool. And then Danessa Merrick's her makeup videos, like I want every makeup product that she releases. Like I'm like, I guess I'm gonna have to bring myself to some Sephora because I need to have all these things. And then I don't know, I have so many favorites. I love so many things on Instagram and TikTok. But yeah, those would be like off the top of my head. Oh, and what is it? Um Taffy. Oh, yes. Tuffy. She's so funny. So yeah, those. One last question for you. 
saving the best for last, walk us through your current skincare routine. What do you do this morning? Okay, so my current skincare routine, I've been really into using an essence in the morning. I like Make Beauty or honestly, Paula's Choice has like a pretty decent one. I just want to like dampen my face and get some humectants because I don't really wash my face in the morning unless if I've had like, I don't know, like night terrors and I'm sweating a lot, then sure. And if that happens to you a lot, then wash your face in the morning. Then I always go in with deliverance. It's usually my first like step, but now that I'm using essences a bit more, it's my, it would be considered my second step. I then go in with my moisturizer, which I'm using the one that's soon to be launched for do, but other ones that I like, I love Skin Fix. Their triple lipid one. I really like SkinCeuticals triple lipid. La Roche Posay has some good ones. Like there's so many good moisturizers, right? Like Cetaphil is a good one. Like you can really go the gamut. I just like things that are richer. Then I go in with my sunscreen. So my sunscreen right now, I'm using Isden a lot, but they're European formulations and Beauty of Joseon. And then in the summer, I like to use the Isden Tree um, Hyaluronic Acid one, the watery gel. And then I'll go in with makeup, which is always great because I use chemical filters. Makeup has iron oxides, which helps prevent visible light, um, which can also cause hyperpigmentation in the form of usually melasma. Other kinds too, but you know, just protect this, just protect what you got. And then at night, what I do is I'll normally double cleanse. I'm actually not very loyal to cleansers. Right now I'm using, then I met you Balm Cleanser and then Neutrogena Hydro Boost, their new formula. It's a really gentle cleanser, but I really like to cleanse my face properly because I live in New York, AKA, you know, Dante's ninth circle and there's lots of pollution and despair. So you got to get that off the face. Then I go in with deliverance. I'll normally skip the essence at night because my skin is like wet from like, you know, washing it. I'll go in with deliverance. I'll then go in with my tret. People always ask me what's better first. Technically you're supposed to apply tret to a dry face. So that's going to be my legal answer, but I'm going to tell you how I do it. And so I'll do the tret one to two times a week. And then I'll go in again with the moisturizer, finish it off with an occlusive. Um, and so an occlusive would be like a Vaseline. I'll never use the occlusive though on the nights with Trent. And then there's normally like a serum that I'm testing out or trying that I'm revolving within there. Um, but right now I'm actually testing out a Tret. So I'm trying to reduce how much I'm using so that I can actually evaluate the effects. So keeping it pretty simple right now, but do not use Tret and an occlusive on the same night because that is how you start peeling a lot and look like a white walker. An excellent tip. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're just a wealth of information. We could have had like a three hour interview with you just to talk about all the things. Charlotte, tell everybody, where can they find you? Where can they find do? Yeah, how can we support you? Absolutely. So you can find me at Charlotte Parlay, P-A-R-L-E-R. That is the French word for to talk. So that is the content that you will be served. And at do skin, D-I-E-U-X skin for us, for our skincare brands. Yay. Thank you so much for joining us today. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Charlotte. Again, go support her. Every product that she mentioned during this interview will be live on our website. So you can go check it out. Try some of her favorites. You guys know where to find us on Instagram and Twitter at Los Angeles Pod. Join our Facebook group. If you have any beauty questions, put it in the group. There are so many amazing members that are happy to help. And uh, we will talk to you on Tuesday.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 